Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. with our second listener submitted movie for listener submitted month and this one comes from our friend tom uh shocking dark uh, a movie that i think he's written to us every year to watch and this is finally the year we did it he's uh, written to he us says, he's also messaged me direct oh he's messaged Dire- me too so so he's oh, really been campaigning for this too. one for a long time and and i hope that he is happy that he has finally subjected us to this. How many years have you all been doing listener submitted? Well, Since for years. Year? No, well, you have to remember in the beginning. So the oh, first yeah. year we were still Reddit Horror Club. So there was all the Reddit Horror Club people were still picking movies. And we were like, well, that doesn't work. <laughs> but then it was like, it would be like, me pick Scott pick Adam pick, and then a listener pick to end each oh, month. That's right. And oh, then man, we were that's like, a long time ago. And that's when we were like, all right, let's consolidate this shit. <laughs> then we were doing yeah. it three months out of the year. Then it turned into two months out of the year. And then I was like, you motherfuckers get one month. This you know, it's, <laughs> at some point, listeners, you aren't going to be a part of this. Well, <laughs> Scott has threatened is, a couple times. Three years ago, it was so bad that I was like, <laughs> we're never doing listener summit a month again. And then last year, everybody redeemed themselves with a really great month. And this year, everybody's just doing fine. So yeah, it's yeah. A, as long as they don't feed us bullshit, I will not have a problem. Yeah, yeah. Note yeah. that, real, listeners. It's a real D's get degrees type situation here. But <laughs> all right, 
So here's the here's the what? email Tom sent us. He said, "Look, I've been trying to get you guys to cover Shocking Dark for years now. At this point, I don't care. I tried to give you guys the scoop on it, but it's been several other shows. It's been on several other shows at this point. Hell, I personally covered it for Greatest Movie Ever podcast with Paul Chapman." What more do you want? It's an Italian ripoff with a bananas plot and terrible effects. But sure, ignore it for another year. I don't care. Just know that it's twice the film that Last Shark is, Matt. It's a synth- it's synthesizer soundtrack bops harder than any console crash that Scott could create. And I can't watch this film sober, Kyle. <laughs> Tom. So, real aggressive... Real aggressive it email was. from Tom, and you know you got us attention. You know, you know how much I love aggressive men telling me what to watch. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of Kyle's kink. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> hey, so can, can movie... I make my first joke though? Go for it. It's not going to go uphill from here. This is it? Schlocking dark. <laughs> <laughs> no, mute your I... microphone now. Listen, Scott. listen. Thanks for listening to our movie night. I loved it. Shocking dark. It. Shocking Dark is uh, the movie that says the movie that answers the question: Which one of the James Cameron movies was Terminator when we were rem- <laughs> when we decided to make the sequel? Because I don't remember. Um, so this film was released in Italy under the name Terminator Two, which it certainly was. Imagining incredible. imagining how disappointed you were watching a movie called Shocking Dark and it being like this. Just imagine if you thought it was the sequel to Terminator when you started watching it. <laughs> uh, and, and the thing is just that it's like two movies. It's like it is. the f- first scene and the well, the first the first half of the first act and the entire third act are shitty Terminator ripoff. The entire middle is aliens. One thousand percent. Every character is it like it is like absurd how much it is ripping off aliens. There's a part where one of the people goes, "Kill me!" I mean, (laughs) come on, it's It's right there. Well, so here's the thing, Kyle. You're going to pronounce this name better than I am. Who's the writer of this movie? Claudio Fragasse. Does that name sound familiar to you, Scott? No. no? Should I say it not like that? Do you want me to say like a normal person, Claudio (laughs) Fragasso? So Claudio Fragasso, you might remember from him appearing in a documentary that we love called Best Worst Movie about ah! a film that he wrote and directed oh! called Troll 2. No. <laughs> this was so the film many he wrote right before Troll 2 was this. That explains a I mean, thousand and one I things. I would have yeah. loved to have known that this morning before watching this film. This was a morning movie for you? I'm so sorry. This was a whole day movie for me. It yeah, was it took 20 me. minute increments throughout the day. <laughs> I needed breaks because um, <laughs> there. I actually have a note. <clears throat> Let me phonetically pronounce how one of these actors who I don't think any of these people have ever seen a script before. Um, nope. They definitely did not do high school acting because they are worse than high schoolers. Well, you've got 15 minutes to get ready to commence operation of Delta Venice. I believe that is what I wrote down. Um, no, but here's here's the thing. You have such a wide gamut of performances in this, right? Because you've got the American actors who are probably reading a script that was translated directly from Italian into into English. But the other side is then you have some of the Italian actors who were practically like speaking like Super Mario with how over the top the like Italian stereotype is. And the one line that I- 15 yards. No, the line- 10 yards. 
the line that I wrote down, and I might be exaggerating slightly, but I'm not exaggerating that much, is there's a scene where there's a firefight, and he goes, Sir, we have a new cover over here! <laughs> like, and it's like... It's, like, it is insane. Well, you, you're forgetting the one variable here between the actors that you... The, the, the little the girl? types of actors. No, no, yeah. You're forgetting that Bruno Matai does not direct anybody. No. He's just... <laughs> it's one takes of everything. So it's, it's the writing being translated probably directly, and then Bruno Matai just being like, Cut! <laughs> Next to the <laughs> action, cut. It's, have you ever seen that meme of... I believe it's in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place where it's Richard Iowati's character just picking up the phone going, hello, boy, and hanging up. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Action cut of Bruno Mattai happening. The only piece of trivia that I found about this movie on IMDb just mentioned that in an early scene in the movie, like in the first like two minutes of the movie, a character's on the phone receiving information and just nodding their head. <laughs> As if that is the response that the person on the other <laughs> phone is waiting for on if they understood so the information. It's a camera phone, dude. Yeah. It's a sci-fi <laughs> It's the future. No. Can't you tell by the low-budget control center, which is truly my favorite set piece of any of these types of movies, it's just flashing, just beep-bop-booping lights gotten, all over the fucking man, place. When Brian did uh, Planet of the Vampires, I feel like Kyle would have been in heaven because <laughs> that control center was the most... <laughs> bullshit thing I've ever seen for this show. Well, I, I love that shit. Like, this is like one of those movies where it's like, we're going to jump into the future, but we're only going to jump about 20 years into the future for the sake of the movie. The year 2000. The year 2000. It was the year 2000. Dude, oh, yeah, so they jumped this, 10, though, 11 years into the future. 89. This, 89. They jumped 11 out. years into the future. But the year yeah. 2000 sounds really futuristic. I mean, it's 2022, and it still sounds futuristic to say the year 2000. Right. In the year 2000. I we just, lived it, and it still seems far yeah. off. I just like... Whenever you do these movies where it's like, all right, it's the future, but it's only like 10 years into the future. So the only thing that they can come up with is like, fashion is crazy now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, and fashion their is new way. That's all this movie <laughs> is. Fashion's nuts, and their their uh, futuristic team is just called Megaforce. Like, there's oh, no yeah, real. If we're going to talk about anything that's <laughs> involved with naming, we got to talk about the fact that they are all part of the tubular division, which I believe <laughs> it's the that the only corporation except ex- sorry the tubular corporation. Here. I believe the only way that you can become part of the tubular corporation is that you have to either know how to do machines, you're cool but rude, or a party dude. Those are the ways to get into the tubular corporation, as far as I understand. That it. joke has legs. All right, I love it. I love it. You just have to get pit. I, I'd imagine you just have to get pitted, so pitted. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, but Venice is full of water. It's fine. Yeah. You well, how much is it of it is polluted though? Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh my this God. now. <laughs> this movie starts off, and I thought I was watching a trailer for a second because it's like. <laughs> 1.1 second in voiceover it's like Venice is destroyed by 2020 you're like <laughs> you try to go back to the Tubi list and you play movie you do this per- per- perpetually this for five minutes this why it took a whole day you fall down the whole shutter hole that you had the last time you tried to watch Butcher Baker <laughs> no, Nightmare Maker thankfully, thankfully this shit was on YouTube with zero commercials which was Hell exactly yeah, how player. it needed to be watched <laughs> like, uh, but you know what I'm gonna push back on Tom with one thing I'm not going to say that it has good special effects, but I was expecting the monster to look a lot shittier than it actually yeah. looked when it first started showing up and on screen. And there are like five of them that show up yeah. multiple times. Now, there are 
let's say five monsters, but two designs, which I find impressive because the first design looks exactly like the man thing, which yeah. mm-hmm. um, man thing for the uninitiated um, out there, probably people that are way younger than me. Man thing was Marvel's answer to the swamp thing. Uh, much less interesting character, but as a Swamp Thing fanatic, I love Man Thing just because I can't get enough Swamp Thing. Uh, but he looks exactly like that. And then the other ones look like um, Harlequin Ichthyosis, Better Ray Bill, if we're going with Marvel characters. Yep. Yep. So a horse alien that has no skin. It's. I am. Um, I registered, and this is a little bit of a deep cut, but I registered one of those designs looking like Vader's New Japan helmet. Which, if any, if there's any wrestling fans, um, there was there was this big wrestler Vader when when he went to New Japan pro wrestling, he wore this big HR Geiger looking fucking like to his shoulders I don't even mask. like wrestling and I know that mask that's yes, how yeah, impressive it yeah, was yeah, yeah. I tried to look it up because I like didn't know enough of the history of it and I was like apparently he just wore it then maybe once like all the screen grabs I can find are of the same match same, yeah, so yeah. Um, but it's a beautiful mask and when I saw Geiger was the, like cease and desist please <laughs> immediately <laughs> good thing it was in <laughs> Japan I guess the beautiful thing is that there is five monsters but there's also only five shots of the five monsters being destroyed yeah, uh, yeah. maybe 10 maybe there's 10 shots of them being destroyed but it's the, i think they spent I a good three hours three killed with those monsters yeah. all right like three yeah. whole hours guys bruno and yeah. was like we need as much as we can to yeah. use throughout the movie everybody well, else there was, was so much shot. smoke i can't imagine they lasted very long a lot of doritos on set <laughs> Oh, oh yes, that that. Well, the, I didn't last very long with all the smoke uh, from the Doritos. Um, but those monsters, when they get shot, you know, you expect like maybe like a like uh, a gas valve like amount of smoke, you know, like mm-hmm. a pss, this uh, blooms like fucking immense amount of smoke. I want to know got shot. what built what factory were they in that they shot ninety percent of this because, and I'm not saying that we have the answer. I'm just. This no. is one of those things that I'm always going to wonder because there yeah. are these big vats and the set pieces aren't bad, but I know they spent $15 on a day <laughs> on, on renting that place out. So I don't know yeah. what in Italy there was it. A, was it an olive oil factory? Yeah. yeah. What the fuck was it? There were, there were big vats and valves and yeah. they certainly use, I remember I noticed that they used the same hallway about three times with different lighting, uh, setups. There was the red light hallway, the regular hallway, the well, blue light hallway, all of which were the same hallway. hallway. So, so according to IMDB whole movie, single set. <laughs> yeah. With, I mean, I know it's Color shocking. me shocked. Yeah. I know that's dark, really shocking, dark. Um, the other thing I need to talk about, we were talking about the different accents, be it the English person that's reading phonetically the Google Translate version of a script or the Italian people who can't cover up their accent. But no one struggled more with not sounding like an Italian than the little girl that's basically yes. Newt. Like, yes. Just like I every knew that time- she was a little girl because she was wearing ribbons in her hair. I mean, yes. that was yeah. a super important yeah. plot piece. I yes. could not like it was one of those movies where every couple minutes a new scene comes up and <laughs> you know how like Brian when we did the last shark episode Brian was like the best part about this is like 
everyone says that they've made a Jaws ripoff, but like what they just mean is that they've made a movie that has a shark in it. Like, yeah. But Last Shark was like so blatant in hitting every single plot beat of Jaws throughout the entire run. That was me watching this, where I'm like, this mm. is insane that this is basically beat by beat, character by character, like every one of the Space Marines from from Aliens. Yeah. Like the whole way, but they did not have a cool name. No, they were the Mega Force. That's the coolest That's name. It combines like, the words I, Mega and Force. And Force. <laughs> Use your brain, Scott. <laughs> like, Shit. <laughs> um, I love that. Like it is a beat for beat ripoff of those things with zero urgency. Yeah. Nobody has a fucking yeah. lick of urgency. Even when, like, not even the countdown timer that's going to tell them that this whole place is going to blow up is like, yeah, maybe five minutes. I don't know, <laughs> uh, four more. Like, it's Dude, did you did you catch the the line that the Great Value Terminator says to the <laughs> main lady? He goes, "In ten minutes, this place is going to blow, but in ten seconds, you're going to be dead." Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Neither happened. No sense of time. No. In I, this fucking basement. You know what? I will say this much though: if I'm going to give a compliment to this movie, why? It's this: <laughs> the fact that this movie advertises itself to be Terminator Two. They rip off Alien. And aliens. They're ripping both of them off. Both, yeah, yeah. But they managed to take the reveal that the one person in the team was a robot in Alien as a way to seamlessly bleed into their Terminator ripoff. Don't give them that it's, much credit, actually, dude. They forgot what movie they were ripping they, off. Listen, Come on. Turns Matt around. You know, this is pretty fucking yeah, good. This movie's pretty tight. <laughs> no, I mean, I... God, it... I know that there are people who are going to be all about this movie. Tom clearly <laughs> being one of them. This was a fun experience, but short of me having like 10, 15 people over my house to watch a movie, there is zero chance I'm ever revisiting <laughs> shocking dark. No, this was, like, this was painful. Yeah. It alone. It, no, this is, this is definitely a, a don't watch alone movie because no, I, yeah, I was think so alone the, in the stupidity. Yeah, like I feel like if you find out that like a local theater is doing a midnight screening of Shocking Dark, like fucking go. I'm sure that this with like a theater of people just hooting and hollering and making fun of it is like a good time. But yeah, at 11 in the morning, sitting in my <laughs> recliner in my living room, watching it on my laptop was not exactly uh, changing my life by any stretch of the imagination. And... You know, I'm one of those people that does not like watching things on a laptop. I, I would prefer to have it on a TV any given chance. But I watched Tammy and the T-Rex, the gory cut, on my laptop, and I had a fucking blast with it. So mm. I don't want anyone telling me that I didn't appreciate this movie because I watched it on a laptop. <laughs> Could you imagine if that was – they were like, oh, he's, he, he, this is the way. This is the way in. I, he definitely watched it on the laptop. It's his fault. It's his <laughs> fault. He would have – if you would have watched if it on the big screen – you would have understood yeah, the subtle brilliance. Yeah. If you would have yeah. picked up the Severin Blu-ray, yeah. then you would... Actually, I, guess I should see if that DVD sale is still going on, because if it's happening... Uh, I just got an email that said that uh, Vinegar is doing... They're dropping say, one in a, couple, in a they're week. Doing so. a, they're doing a big sale, For yeah. my own sake, I've been deleting those emails before I could open them up. Yeah, because, because you, you're sick of ketchup sandwiches. Did yeah. I say on the podcast where I got that reference? 
What the ketchup sandwiches? It's from yeah. real life. I ate ketchup sandwiches oh, at one no, point when I was poor. No, no. <laughs> when I was in junior high, I went to a, a, an antique store and found like the first twenty issues of the Dazzler comic book. And in the first issue of Dazzler, she is so poor because she's a starving artist trying to become a singer that she is eating ketchup sandwiches and it always stuck with me so i made that joke of my own volition not knowing that matt has literally eaten ketchup sandwiches because he was so poor yeah the the year it's because he has so many dvds right no 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 it wasn't just that it was that i i got (laughs) laid off i got laid off from my job immediately after i finished college (laughs) so i like started with a giant deficit (laughs) so i was like all right Surviving on what we got, I can buy a bottle of ketchup for three dollars and a loaf of bread, and that's five, six days worth of lunches. Let's do this, America. Yeah, fuck yeah. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. All right, so what are we thinking double feature-wise on this bad boy? Kyle, you get to go first this time, buddy. So I am going to pick... So this movie was written by... The, um, excuse me. Shocking Dark was written by Claudio Fragasso, Fragasso, who also wrote a Zombie 3. However, I'm not going to pick his Zombie 3, which is Fulci's Zombie 3. I'm going to pick another Zombie 3 that is better known as Burial Ground. Oh, I've never seen it. Is it good? It's on my to-do list. It's amazing. Is it Kyle amazing or is it Scott amazing? Kyle amazing, for sure. <laughs> I'll still fucking watch it. I, I was hoping you wouldn't clarify. <laughs> no, Burial Ground. So in the same way that this film has these creatures that are, again, nobody has any urgency. Burial Ground has zombies with zero urgency. However, Burial Ground does have the single greatest 
child character in all of Italian cinema, in my humble opinion. And we know how Italian kids are. I mean, Bob is the worst. This little girl, this 30-year-old little girl was really bad in Shocking Dark. Was it the kids in Red Queen? No. There was another kid. Kids in, in Red Queen well, that, actually quite fun. Yes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this one, this kid is older than the Shocking Dark girl and plays maybe a younger child. Uh, and it's zombies. Uh, and it's Italian zombies. It's beautiful. It's it's chef's kiss, Italian stereotype, beautiful. That is my double feature. And it's on my list for the show. So we will get to it eventually. Okay, right. then I won't watch it myself. <laughs> no, 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 no. You hold, you, hold, you hold your beautiful little horses there. I All right. Well, I'm going to double feature this with uh, a Rutger Hauer vehicle called Split Second. Have you guys ever heard of Split Second from 91, no. I want to say? No. Now, no. it's been on my long, long list for Horror Movie Night, so I won't really get into it, but this is my thought process. So I was watching this piece of shit, Shocking Dark, and I was thinking about other movies that it kind of gave me feelings for, and I was thinking, I was like, Blade Runner, because I don't know. And then I was like, this movie and Blade Runner you could never double feature them together because Blade Runner is a fucking legit masterpiece. And I was like, what about Blade Runner 2049 or whatever the one is with Ryan Gosling? I was like, I don't, I fell asleep watching it. I don't even think it's worth trying again. So I'm like, Hmm, Rucker Howard pictures. And I'm like, Oh, a split second. The one with the fucking alien monster. It's perfect because Rucker Howard was in Blade Runner. It's got an alien monster. It's not great. But um, I would definitely finish my night with that because I think that it is a higher point than Shocking Dark. Okay. Beautiful. Poster's great. I watched this movie. It was a really shitty Aliens ripoff. Uh, so I'm going to watch a slightly less shitty Aliens ripoff known as Carnosaur 2. Oh, so good. <laughs> That's going to be my double feature for the night. <laughs> Have fun, Matt. You son of a bitch. I love it. <laughs> All right, so what we've watched, read, listened to, whatever. I watched Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Dream Master, for the first time. First time. Ooh, you lucky You wouldn't boy. happen to be getting prepped for anything else, but... No, <laughs> no, no. So I, uh, I, I, just, I, I thought that I'd seen this, and I realized that I confused three for four, not just because of the inherent connection of characters, but, right, there's... Well, and also, so they, this is where up I, until the last word, they are the same title. <laughs> right, like, right, right, right. I that, get them confused That's all probably, the time. honestly, that's probably fucking part of it. <laughs> like, but we watched, I, I watched, I, last week I watched uh, Resurrection. Um, both were with, with my friend Jeanette, who is a big fan of the show. And she's um, looking at starting her own uh, horror podcast of looking at Ooh. horror movies through the eyes of love and gender and sexuality she's very excited uh to get going on that and it'll be a good time for her but when we get together we just watch anything and everything that feels right and for some reason four felt right it's fun like i guess when i if i were to like sort of like boil down what i imagine a nightmare on elm street movie to be for like the uninitiated or like people who know Freddy Krueger as popular culture that's probably the one that I would be like oh yeah that's the pacing of it is 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 null it's just like 
kills and characters and Freddy's one-liners and great effects. It's like it's like the perfect. It feels like three and four are the perfect bridge to either end of the spectrum. You yeah. Know? Well, I I I think in the episode that we did on part four, I even said like this is. To me, that is the movie where Freddy became like an MTV character. Like he's like throwing on the Ray Bans at the beach, and like it is just it is the to me that is when Freddy truly became part of the '80s lexicon right. in a in a way that really was not seen by any other horror franchise character in yeah. that way before or even really after for years. Like yeah. even like. Even at its peak, I don't think like Ghostface or Jigsaw has ev- even come close to the pop culture relevance oh, of yeah. Freddy Krueger in 1989. Ch- I would, I <laughs> feel Chucky. I feel Chucky was the only one who came close, and it seemed like an alternate route. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it seemed like in like an adja- like a parallel road, but not quite the same like highway that Freddy was on. Like it's. Uh, it and like it didn't bother me that that was like I was like oh finally like I see what that is that connective tissue that I just never actually got to sit down and watch like I watched you know I watched Never Sleep Again and I got all like the behind the scenes stuff and the effects stuff and like a little bit of the culture of it but just sitting and like accepting the movie for like what it was and what it mm-hmm. is um it was fun it was a fun watch yeah no I uh I I enjoy that one it also as we all know it has the best kill in Freddy history <laughs> with that cockroach kill man that thing is a is a sight to be seen um, all right Scott how about you what did what did you watch this week I watched something very new I watched the princess on Hulu I really liked it it is a very simple premise it's this princess is locked in a tower it's a obviously it's a medieval fantasy bad like action fantasy kind of movie and she's trying to get down the tower fighting different people to save her family from this evil prince. And, dude, it's so dumb. Like, the premise is so simple. It kind of is like a video game, but a live-action movie. I really enjoyed it. And now I won't watch it again because I'm not much of an action movie guy. I was a little tired of all the action scenes, but the fight photography was so good. Um, every action scene was, it felt like you were playing a boss in a video game, which I really liked. And the female lead was phenomenal. There are a lot of just great actors in it. And it has a fun little MCU connection, two of them actually, because Dominic Cooper plays the evil prince. He was Howard Stark, um, young Howard Stark in Agent Carter and Avengers Endgame. And then the Olga something or other who played Taskmaster in Black Widow is his consort so um real fun very turn your brain off and just have a good time kind of movie highly recommend it if you have hulu it's an hour it's literally 90 minutes i don't think it goes more than 91 minutes including the couple like the 30 or 40 seconds over the 90 minute mark it's it's a very quick watch all right, and I've got um, one that dropped on Netflix recently. Uh, it is a three-part documentary series because your homeboy just loves watching documentaries about what happened at Woodstock 99. So I watched Trainwreck, Woodstock 1999, oh, no. um, which is a little bit... It, it, 
it hits a lot of the same notes as the HBO Max documentary that came out last year. Mm -hmm. It does a little bit better of a job at depicting why people stayed. You know what I mean? Like, because I think in the first one you're watching, you're like, why the fuck did anybody stay (laughs) at this thing? And like, they really do capture where like, you know, they're inner, they pull like old interview footage where they're like, why are you here? And it's like, I paid $155 to be here. Like, I came here to see like whatever band and I'm staying until that band plays. So it, it really does capture a lot of that. And it's just one of the big things that I walked away from with it is that I wish I could have seen Bush's performance at Woodstock 99 live because <laughs> it is a great set list. <laughs> it's yeah. like like I looked it up on Setlist FM afterwards. Like Gavin Rossdale is interviewed in the first episode because they literally it's three parts and it's like part one is day one, part two is day two of the show, and part three is night three. Oh, that's a fucking brilliant way to do it. Yeah, and that's I love so it. I mean that's so obvious, but it's also it didn't have to be that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And that's it jumps. Ten, that's tension building in its own. Fucking it's tension mind. building, and they keep bouncing back and forth. So they'll get to day oh. two and like what the lineup is, and then it'll jump to like the people who organize it, like the kids who were helping out that were like, we told them you really shouldn't put like Limp Bizkit right after Rage Against the Machine, right after this band, like it's gonna be too much escalation, they wouldn't listen to us. And then you like go into like what happened in the moment or whatever. Gavin Rossdale, Bush closed out night one after Corn, <laughs> And he's like- In 99. In 99. What and he's like, fuck? I'm standing backstage watching the show on the monitors and seeing this ocean of people that are all moving as one in a mosh pit and thinking, I've got to go out there and play Glycerine soon. <laughs> like, <laughs> but they actually give him a lot of credit. And a lot of people said, like, what could have been a very quick, like, off on switch from going from, like, the high anxiety of corn into like more of the mellow alternative rock sound of Bush. Like they're like Gavin Rosdale, like came out there as a guy who like really loves what Woodstock is supposed to be. So like, you know, he did the high energy stuff. He starts with machine head. Like he plays like those like kind of high octane Bush songs, but like throughout he's like, I hope everyone's doing out there doing right. All right out there. I hope you're at peace. I hope that you're like full of like, he just kept talking about like peace and love and like unity and like tried to like bring things back down and they're like, you know, things could have popped off on Friday night, but they did it. Like, and that's because Gavin Ronsdale was like so masterful at like bringing the mood to like a nice satisfying closing tonight. And then it's like, you jump to the next night and it's like, all right, we're going <laughs> like, now it's just like escalation, escalation, escalation. And like the sounds that you're, you're hearing tonight. And it's just like, oh, okay. Do you think it's repetitive to watch both? I never watched the HBO one and I was really excited to, and it no, just never I, happened. I think but... you get, I think you get good different sides of the story. This one, they interview the biggest fucking hick I've ever seen in my entire life who attended the show. And he's just like, yo man, I was so excited to see Kid Rock. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But here's the question that I have. And we said this actually on one hit thunder as well, but like, Where's the fucking Woodstock 94 documentary? Because, like, Mm -hmm. that is uncomparably the best Woodstock. (laughs) Like, you look at the lineup for Woodstock 69, it is an embarrassing list of who is that, followed by, like, three or four (laughs) bands that you know. Like, like, it's, like, a lot of, like... you're also in your 30s. Come on, man. Listen, 
I appreciate <laughs> 60s music just as much as the next one. But do you know who headlined the first night was Robbie Shankar. Like, that's like what closed out the Friday of Woodstock. Here's the thing. I've heard that name before. Yeah, he's the sitar player for the Beatles. That's thing. like, like, it's not like it's. Like everyone Wait, acts Woodstock like it was, was unprecedented yeah, though. It's it is. unprecedented. But I think like you look at the lineup of '94 <laughs> and you're just like, this is literally who all headlined of the, the first biggest... night of '94, Matt. Matt, come on, who headlined '94 first night? Uh, um, well, Red Hot Joy Peppers <laughs> headlined both '94 <laughs> and '99, which is crazy. But it's like that's the show where you're you're getting Nine Inch Nails closing out one night. You're getting oh. I think Nine Inch Nails closed out Friday, but like. 94, just you look at that lineup, it's like, this is literally the embodiment of everything that was happening in music in 1994. Because you've got, like, Blind Melon, The Cranberries, Green Day. Like, oh, yeah, Cypress Hill's Cypress on there. Hill. Melissa Dude, Etheridge. Yeah, the lineup okay. is insane for 94. But I think nothing really bad happened except for The Mud People, which wasn't bad. It was just, like, a bunch of stoners that, because it was raining and muddy, they just covered themselves in mud and claimed to be The Mud People all weekend. <laughs> And that's like when they threw they threw mud at Primus when they started playing My Name is Mud. <laughs> yeah, I the mean, Wikipedia has two bullets for notable events day one, four for two, and three for three, which is just Peter Gabriel headlined. So that's not even a notable <laughs> event. We, I can see that. I can see that in the paragraph before. But I'm sure if you go to the notable events for Woodstock 99, it's Oh, like, no, that's a whole separate page. It's a fucking train wreck. <laughs> so I think it's just like no one wants a documentary about a, a festival that was successful. That was and fine. Bad. <laughs> it was great. Here's, yeah. a, here's the story of a festival that everyone had fun at and nothing bad happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hope you watch all three episodes. I, I want to see Matt that. Matt Kelly's there for it. Yeah. Yeah, you totally got it. For it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that was shaking dark, shocking dark. Man, my handwriting. Schlocking dark. Horrendous. Good yeah, job, schlocking Scott. dark. That Scott nailed it there. Another one of the listener submitted picks. Tom, you can stop emailing us about it. It's, it's <laughs> He'll done. find something else to email it's us done. about, it's and been... we love him for it. Oh, it'll be something Italian. You know that much. <laughs> but <laughs> Bellissimo. <laughs> don't worry about don't worry about burial ground. I got it covered. Yeah, but, but we were good. But we will be back with uh, what I believe is a werewolf musical next week. I haven't watched it yet, but I what I've heard someone oh, say no, that there's musical Matt, numbers. In why it. did we agree to this shit? <laughs> I'm so, I'm so excited. <laughs> Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order. Covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. 
So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.